Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, June 8th. We are here live. We're going to open the phone lines right now. It is a free-for-all. I've got a little bit of a theme today I'll talk about, but it is a free-for-all, so you can talk about anything you want. Phone lines are open right now. Go ahead and jump in. Schedule's a little different today. Uh, we don't have rolling toe. They had a scheduling issue. I'll I'll be here till... Uh, well, 11 o'clock or till we run out of calls, whichever one happens first. And then at 11.30 today, we will go to Twitter spaces and we'll just continue the same theme that I want to talk about today. So uh, how long we go this morning, totally up to you. If we run out of calls, I've got lots of work I can go do. If you've got calls, I'll stay. So jump in and join us. Those lines are open right now. 855-950-3835. So my theme for today is really owner-operator best practices. That's a pretty big topic, but we're going to just dive down and get specific on what owner-operators do to be successful. What do you need to do to stay in business? First, we have to survive, especially in an environment like today. And then what do we do to succeed? Now, succeed is totally up to you. What does that mean? I've worked with people that never want to own more than one truck, but they want to maximize the profit on that truck. That's success to them. The other thing I would throw in as far as success is you you should be growing your net worth. One of the things we're going to talk about today is the idea that when you are a small business, an owner-operator, whether you're one truck or 10, there are two sets of numbers we have to be concerned with. We have to look at the business first. How much profit does the business throw off? There is no magic number here. My number would just be as much as possible, given what I'm willing to do in my operation. If I'm not willing to go drive 150,000 miles, then I can't expect to generate the revenue that I would if I ran 150,000 miles. So the first thing to realize here is everybody's business is theirs and they get to decide how it works. Many people don't, though. They never take the time to define what they want the business to look like. That's step number one. I have a whole chapter uh, in my course on this that will help you do this. Even if you've been in business 20 years, even though my course is designed for startups, many people never did the things they should have done when they were a startup. It's never too late to go back and do it now. Go define your business now. What are your goals? Once we've got the business kind of defined and we know the numbers, then we have to look at your personal finances. They are critically important. There have been many times over the years where somebody comes to me, an owner operator, small fleet owner, and says, man, I really need help with my business. I'm just struggling in the business. And I'll look at the numbers and there have been times where I look at the numbers and think, you're not struggling at all. These are good numbers. Based on what you're doing, we could tweak a little bit. Maybe we could add 5% to the bottom line, which is significant. But the problem really wasn't in the business. And when I ask them, what do you mean you're struggling? Well, it's just like every month I can't pay the bills. 
I'm, I'm getting behind. I'm not getting ahead. And I'll have to stop and say, but wait a minute. I'm looking at your business numbers. You're not behind at all. The bills are paid. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, at home. Oh, there we, there's the key. You can't live like you earn $150,000 if you're only earning $90,000. There may be nothing wrong with the business or there's always something we could tweak. But if these were the numbers, I could tweak all day long. It's not going to do any good. You will eventually go out of business even though the business is doing okay. Because you've been trying to live as though you made more income than that. And that's a very common thing because if you don't have an accounting system, then you're simply trying to base things on your gross. You've got all this money coming in, so it feels like you can go buy a new bass boat if you want, but you can't. And it's a real shame. I mean, I, I, I hate seeing a business fail. I really do. Even though there are times where you will hear me say, we're going to see a lot of owner-operator failures and we need it right now. We do. There's too many, too many owner-operators in, in the market. Some of them have to go out of business. It's going to happen. I hate to see it happen. That's why I spend a lot of time trying to help people not end up there. Fortunately, as much as I hate to say it, this really isn't that competitive of an industry at all. Most owner-operators are, are not doing the right things, and it's easy to compete by just the basics. Know your numbers, the basics, the, the stuff we're going to talk about today. That's kind of the theme. Right now, I'm talking about numbers, and, and that's where everything starts in business is with the numbers. You know, when, when I talk about health, everything revolves around the diet. We always have to start there. It's not everything, but it's the first thing. And without it, you're not going to achieve much of anything else. So in health, we always start with diet. In business, we always start with numbers. And for entrepreneurs and small businesses, that's two different sets of numbers and don't ever mix them up and try to make sense of them. You do your business accounting first. How much profit does this business throw off every month? What can we count on? You should also be doing some predictions at that point. What what's the worst case scenario given, you know, rates dropping? Can I still make enough money? Because if you can't, you've got a problem. Once you've got those numbers down, then we look at the personal finances. Do they match up? We should be making significantly more in the business than we need to live on. Then we can take that extra money and decide, do we want to invest back into the business? Or do we want to invest in our future a financial plan? Do I want to buy a house? Do I want to help my kids with some college money? Do I want to um, start working on my retirement account? I want to talk about numbers today. Now, it's a free for all. So you can call and talk about popsicles if you want. I don't care. You get to talk about anything you want on a free for all. This is my theme. And I would really like to focus on numbers today helping people get their numbers together and understand them. What are some of the other best practices 
honestly, I could put together a list of, of easily less than 10 things that if an owner operator or small fleet did consistently, they could just about guarantee their success. Now, keep in mind, I can't guarantee your success if you've gotten yourself into a bind in your personal finances. If you have overspent and you have debt and you have lots of bills to pay, there's only so much money we can get out of one truck no matter how well you run it. And if that number isn't big enough to cover all the bills at home, and many times that's the case, the only thing we can do then is start working on the personal finances, and it's going to mean sacrificing something, selling things, even if you're upside down on them, selling them, taking cash out of your pocket, paying them off to get rid of that payment and that debt. If you're struggling right now, just know you're going to have to make some hard decisions. You're going to have to do things differently than you've been doing them. And I see a lot of people fighting back against this and trying to blame everybody else for their struggles. It's the brokers, it's the carriers, it's the government, it's regulations. It's, it, it may be all of those things, but that is not the root cause of your problem. And even if it is, you can't think that way because you can't change any of those things. You can't change the brokers. You can't change the carriers. You're not going to change the government. You can go protest all you want. And, and the changes that do get made are not going to be changes that are going to save your business anyway. You have to take full responsibility for where you are in your financial life, personal and business. You have to take full responsibility. Stop blaming anybody else, even if it is somebody else's fault, because that takes your focus away from the things you can control and the things you change. So the first thing we have to do, actually, I said numbers are the first thing. I, really, I think mindset has to change first. Because if you don't believe this is your fault, why would you bother looking at your numbers? If you're walking around saying it's the brokers, they're controlling the rates, it's the government and too many regulations, and we need this law and that regulation, so I can, if you're walking around saying that, why would you bother looking at your numbers? Because you don't think your numbers are the problem. So you got to change your mindset first. I've got a book recommendation for today, and I've made this book recommendation many, many, many times. In fact, it is my number one book recommendation, um, and I, I wish I knew how many books I've read in my lifetime. I wish I, I could tell you how many business books I've read in my lifetime. It's in the thousands, but I don't know what the number is. Out of all those books, this is my number one recommendation for people in business. I'll also tell you this, it's not a fun book. Um, it's not one of those books that you read and get really excited about all these, you know, great techniques and strategies. And this book is all about doing the hard work. Seven habits, none of them are really easy or fun, but these seven habits can absolutely transform your business and your life. Um, this is now a classic. It's kind of funny because I read this book when it first came out. So it's kind of weird for me to be talking about books that I read that are now classics. Uh, so I read this book over 30 years ago. 
I'm going to put a link uh, up on the website. It's the 30th anniversary edition of the seven habits of highly effective people. If you were only going to read one business book in your life, this one should be it. And it really is about doing the hard work. And when I say that, people say, oh, you don't know how hard I work. I didn't say work hard. I said do the hard work. Two very different concepts. And the first thing you have to do is be able to understand why they're different. Lots and lots and lots of people work very hard. Most of them never really get very far. They end up working hard their whole life and then still struggle in retirement. That's sad to me. The reason they work hard their whole life and still struggle is because they've never done the hard work, especially if you're going to be in business. The hard work, knowing your numbers. That's the big one. Changing your mindset, setting goals, learning how to build relationships. When I talk about building relationships, yeah, that doesn't work. Brokers don't want to negotiate. They don't want relationships. Uh, Yes, they do. Promise you they do. And if they don't, then that's a good sign. That's a broker you don't want to work with anyway. All seven of the habits, game changers. Pick anyone and start doing it and your life will improve. I promise. Master all seven and you got this figured out. One of the things I'm struggling with right now with with all of this, boy, I got a ton of calls coming in. I guess it should pay attention. Um, One of the things I'm struggling with right now is I was talking about this yesterday. I, I feel so blessed to be surrounded by so many people who have succeeded in trucking. Very successful people. I I talk about many of them all the time. We have them come on. We talk about their numbers. Then I have the people who are really struggling right now and are really in risk of failing. Many of these people, we we would consider experienced owner operators. You, You could have a decade's worth of experience right now, and yet you've never experienced a downturn. That's a challenge. So how do I help those people? The things I'm going to talk about, the best practices is how I do it. How do I convince them that this really is a game changer? And that's, that's my job and, and my challenge. So I, since we've got so many calls and they are piling in, we're, uh, we're going to get to them because today's all about you. Let's go to Ohio to get started. Gene, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. I'm coming down by somewhere that's very familiar to you, I'd imagine. All right. Where's that? Exit 187 on the Ohio Turnpike. So believe it or not, I I grew up with the old number system on the Ohio Turnpike. Is that the Streetsboro exit by chance? It is. Okay. I thought so. It used to be exit 13. That's the way I remember it. But uh, very, very familiar right, with it. Yeah. In fact, within... Yeah, I, I kind of thought so. <laughs> when you get off the, the exit there and you're getting on to 14, which is the main route right there, um, up on the hill, the car dealers and the hotels and all that up there, um, that used to be a truck stop, little truck stop called the Eagle Truck Stop. Uh, my wife, Lisa, used to manage it. I used to park my trucks there when I, you know, I had my own authority and I'd park my truck and trailer up there. Um, prior to that, though, growing up, 
that whole area right through there was an old abandoned sand and gravel pit. And I spent a gazillion hours there on my motocross bikes. That's where I practiced. We set up tracks and raced and so yeah, that that whole area. Yeah, that whole area right there. Um, if you were, if you look right there where all that stuff is, it used to be all just woods and that sand pit. Less than a half a mile through the woods there, you'd be at my house where I grew up. <laughs> so right in your backyard now, uh, literally. D- definitely. <laughs> it was my backyard, yeah. And my backyard was a bunch of woods and a playground and where I raced motorcycles. And so lots and lots of great memories from that area. Well, hey, I sent over an email yesterday, and I think they uh, forwarded it to you about a spreadsheet. Uh, let me go look. Let me see what I got. Yep, here we go. Yes. This is concerning the for an IFTA audit. And what I've got to get my head around, the formula they're using in there makes no it, – it, it, it's illogical to me. I, I mean, Dr. Spock is coming, coming to mind whenever I look at this. And this is for my carrier – from the carrier, the they're using, if you have trip A and trip B, they're using the gallons from trip A with the miles from trip B to get your hold, hold on MPG. A, hold on a second, because you're right. It's already illogical. Tell me what trip A and trip B are. Are these trips that you've actually completed? Oh, those are fill-ups, from fill-up to fill-up. Well, so what, what is A and B? Why, why are we talking about A and B as though there's some option here? Well, well I'm just defining them as what, if you, if you have that spreadsheet open, I, I do, you'll see, but, uh, but if you look here's the thing. Oh, wait a minute. It was supposed to be a numbers spreadsheet, but it opened. Oh, let me open it with numbers. Hold on. It opened as just an image which means I can't see any of the formula. So I'm opening it now in my spreadsheet program. All right, now I should. Okay, now I can look at formulas. So which formula am I looking at? Okay, so at the bottom, you see where it's labeled Girard, Ohio? Yes. It should yep, be got like it. Fourth yep. Or fourth. yep, got it. Can you look over, you see I got 74.52 gallons. Okay. Now... The next couple lines and over a couple of rows to the right, you're going to see a mileage of 1677. Yeah, but why is that mileage down? Okay, 15, 16, seven. okay, got it. That They're just doing the math. That mileage is when I left Gerard, Ohio with a full tank of fuel when I put that 74.52 gallons in. Doesn't matter. Now, Doesn't per directive, matter. they want us. They, they, they want us to go to the first of the month now before we add fuel again, if we can, you know, to run our maximum fuel out. Wait, 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 wait. Hold so, on. Hold, hold on. You own the truck, right? I do. Then I could give a rat's ass where they want me to fuel or when they want me to fuel. It, it, that is right, meaningless to me. I, I, I don't care. Then go get your own IFTA. Now, what the thinking? I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm going to have to run my own IFTA. Why, I have though? A Joe Morris Why? Well, let, let's make sure you need to go get your own IFTA. What they're doing, there's nothing wrong with the way they're accounting for this. This spreadsheet is fine. It does actually make sense. And it it doesn't matter anyway. Here, here's all that matters for fuel tax at the end of the quarter when we report. 
These daily things have no impact on anything. We only need two numbers in each state. We don't need all this spreadsheet. We don't need all this detail. In order to do IFT, I only need two numbers for each state at the end of the quarter. Total miles driven during that time. I don't care if it was Thursday. I don't care if it was June 17th. None of that matters. This is a quarter. How many miles did I drive in the state total? How many gallons did I buy in the state total? That's it. Those are the only two numbers I need. So all this detail on the spreadsheet and they say, well, we're going to take the mileage from here to here. Meaningless, completely meaningless. Just ignore it. Well, this is where they they do it on a monthly basis and is irrelevant. But this is where they're actually looking for the people who are cheating you know, buying off the books fuel. Wait, wait, why? What? Hold on a have, second. What? Uh, somebody needs to explain to me. What do you mean buying off the books fuel? Just buying fuel that you're not going to turn in? Correct. Why? Why would you do that? Because because one, you'd be uneducated and think you're getting around it when you're only shooting your own foot off. Well, it, it makes no sense to not turn in a fuel purchase. You're going to owe more fuel so, tax because could, of that. If I go over nine and a half miles a gallon, they consider that I'm cheating. Now we're talking about something different. Now now we're getting back to the real issue here. This is what I was trying to get to. If this is occurring, then yes, we have an issue. If they have put a limit on your fuel economy and their belief is if you get better than this, you're cheating, um, then your only solution is to, unless you can change them and you probably can't, we've all been through this fight. I I believe I was the first one that ever even talked about this. Way back in the 90s, the early 90s, I got a hit with this at FedEx. And it's a problem. It costs you money. And I had to fight with FedEx constantly over this year after year after year. Every time I would get better and better fuel economy, I'd have to go back and fight with them again. The answer is go get your own IFTA. If you look under fuel gauges, look up my truck and fuel gauges, and you'll see where where my truck's really coming in now. I just went over 60,000 miles. And the last five or six fuel ups, my, uh, my, this Volvo is really starting to hit a stride now. Good. Good. Uh, fuel, in fuel gauges, it's five six four two nine eight SW. What's your What's your ninety day average right now? Ninety day. Let me go back and look. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, my thirty day is nine point nine four. My sixty day is six point seven two. I don't have it set up in here to see my. I, I'm not, 90 day. I'm not logged in. I could go look, but I, we don't even need to look at the 90 day yet. Something here caught my attention. What happened that you went from a 60 day average of six something to a 30 day average of nine something, which means 30, 60. That's that, irregular that's, in that bridge. What's that? And back to my, my, my original focus that I could not give up is they're they're using the mileage to my next fill up. It doesn't matter. Let, 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 it doesn't matter that you got to get that out okay. of your head. It, I promise you again okay. that that individual trip and the way they record it is completely meaningless because we only need two numbers 
to file your IFTA in each state. It doesn't matter that they use this mileage and that trip. Actually, it, it makes sense, but it doesn't matter. It's completely meaningless. So get that out of your head. Okay, gone. <laughs> if you are going to get better fuel economy, and, and again, I'm confused how we went from six something to nine something. It's almost unheard of. In just 30 days, what the hell changed? Well, not this. I have been at 9.3 out of the box. Wait a minute. Truck. I, I, I asked you for a, you gave me a 60-day average that was six-something. So there's no way you were getting nine out of the box. Nowhere near nine. You were getting six-something no, if you I, gave me the right number. No, I, it was nine. My 30-day is 9.94. Right. What was your sixty day? You, I'm I, looking on my app right now. I can't. I can't see it. Oh, okay. Now it pulled up. My sixty day was nine point seven two. Okay, that's not what you said before. I, you said six something, and it's, so that threw me for a loop. Okay, now it's much easier. Yes, you have to go get your own IFTA. Okay, that's the now, only solution to this. I, if I get my own IFTA, would it make more? Because I now have five trucks signed on oh wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i should have asked you something we can fix this yourself if you don't want to go get your own ifta and yes you're going to be cheating but i don't care this is how i finally beat fedex because i didn't want to go get my own ifta i didn't need one more set of paperwork and government crap to deal with but i had multiple trucks it just move your fuel receipts around Put, put take fuel that you put into one truck and count it on this truck. You only have to do it a couple times a quarter usually to get your numbers back under. And yes, you're cheating. I don't care. If they don't want to fix their damn system, then I'm going to use their system to, to my advantage. They should fix this. Fleets should fix this problem for their owner operators. And if they don't, then I'm going to fix it myself. Right, because yesterday was now, the first time. Here's, I broke here's the thing. In your record keeping, keep everything accurate. In your IFTA yeah. reporting with the carrier, just take some fuel from your worst trucks and add it to your best trucks, and then you won't break that nine nine and a half mile limit they have. They actually did bump me up to uh, 10 mile per gallon. They actually classified me as a hot shot now instead of a class A combination tractor trailer. That's fine. And and if you can stay under the 10. Now, if you want to keep improving things and get better than 10 miles to the gallon, then you're going to bump up against this again. And that's what kept happening to me. Yeah, I could get them to raise it, but they would only raise it a half mile per gallon at a time. And then I would beat that, uh, you know, six months later. And I'd have to. So finally, I just said, look, I'm tired of this. I'll just make sure none of yeah. my trucks ever go over that limit on IFTA. Right. And that's where I'm at right now, because my last six Phillips are 1069, 1093, 998, 1039 and 11.6. Yeah. So don't mess with them. Just just. Just make this work on your IFTA report. Okay, just shuffle around with the fuel card. Yep. Yep, I did it for years. Okay. Yeah, because it's literally been driving me crazy for the last two days when I've been trying to get this resolved. And it, uh, it, it just and makes, I was fixated on the way. Uh, it just makes me crazy that the fleets can't figure this out and stop 
all the hassle with this. Just put a damn number on it. And I've had fleets tell me, FedEx told me, well, it's not us, it's Pennsylvania. Bullshit, I called Pennsylvania. So don't give me that. I don't know, maybe there's some state out there that, that does it, but that wasn't the case when I was dealing with this. It's nothing but an internal number at the fleet and they could change it if they wanted to. Right. Uh, but then on the other hand, it's a good problem to have. You have to get it's an excellent problem to have. It's just frustrating that you work so hard to do the right thing and then they create a system that's just a big hassle. I blame Joel. So you There know. you go. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's, my, uh, that, that's been my quandary yeah. for the last couple of days. And, they, I, and I know it works out in the end as the reporting miles and gallons. That's when I was that, right. looking on that spreadsheet. No, and there is a reason why they do it that way. But again, it's not a big deal because it's never going to matter. It's just an internal thing for them. It's how somebody set it up. Um, So you you, you have two options. You you could go get your own IFTA and just do it yourself. Or if you don't want to mess with IFTA on five trucks, um, just because one is a problem, then just go ahead and shuffle some fuel receipts. Yeah, when I initially talked to uh, the lady there, and she sent me, she called me up and asked me, "How are you getting twenty-two miles per gallon? Did you get off the book fuel?" No, I didn't. All my, all my, all my fuel goes through pump data. You know, I, I'd be stupid not. I've never gone back and tried to run the numbers on this because it never made sense to me. This idea of off the books fuel or not turning in a receipt, or I, I, I don't think it has any positive impact at all. It, it, you're you're no, you're it, not getting the credit for the fuel tax you paid on that fuel, and we get a dramatic fuel discount on our fuel card if we're not using our fuel card. Some places is over a dollar a gallon. Discount. So some somebody would have to explain to me why these fleets are worried about people buying fuel off the books, like they say, or or somebody would have to explain to me why you would even think about buying fuel off the books. I just don't get it. Yeah. It, it's- it, it's quite a puzzle at times. Yeah. So it, the best when, thing is when these fleets it, think people are cheating, I, I don't I, I don't understand that. Now, if if I could get away with turning in fewer miles, that might make sense, I think. So we'd show. But I, see, I don't even know. I'd have to run this all through the calculator to see. I can't get my head around it, but I don't care. Just just do it right. There, there's no advantage to whatever yeah. they're trying to do. Yeah, and the miles are coming right off of the ELD reporting. You know, oh, that's right. So, yeah, you're exactly. You're not going to cheat on those anymore. No. The other, my other quandary is if you do personal conveyance, I don't think they count the miles that you run under personal conveyance towards your towards your IFTA numbers. They exclude those numbers when you run under PC. I think that's Which correct. I try not though. to do Right, I think that's correct because it's not a commercial yeah, use of numbers. the vehicle. So technically, I think, and again, this is an issue I don't really care much about because it's a minor issue, Um, but I believe at that point you would be treating your truck like a personal vehicle and we don't pay fuel tax other than what we just pay at the pump on a personal vehicle. We don't have to go back and calculate states and shortages and all that stuff. So I'm assuming PC is handled like that, which- Yeah, 
no, I guess everything still works out. You just exclude those miles, still get credit for the gallons because you paid the tax on those gallons. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. That would be potentially a way you could report less miles but still be accountable for your gallons. But Too much trouble, and I, I, I wouldn't mess I, with exactly. I wouldn't mess with trying to cheat on ELD logbook kind of stuff. Right, because if you get audited or called out on your on your PC, and then that becomes it, a whole different issue. Exactly, right. So two solutions. The, the correct one, the more correct one, is go get your own IFTA and do it yourself. The hack that I chose because this is the carrier's problem anyway is I'll just make sure I don't break their limit. Right. Where there's a rule, there's a way around it. Exactly. We've both spent time in the Army. We know how to do that. (laughs) Yep. All right. Good stuff. Calls are piling up on me. I better move along. Let's go to Arkansas. Charles, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, So I sent in two oil samples. One was one that I sent in before that was the last time I had my oil changed. I had my company send in an oil sample at 25,000 miles. I just wanted to see the difference between them. And on that sample, 5,000 miles before I had that sample sent in, I added some base because I was having a base issue with the OPS samples. It was showing every time it was always low on base. Very, very so low on base. I see what you thought. Yeah, so I wanted to see what you thought about the the differences between the OPS and then the one from my company, which was a well, Chevron Mobile. But were they taken at the same time? No, uh, no. Then, one then, the, then we can't compare. The oil. I, I can't. I, if you want me to compare them, I can't really compare them. They're two totally different samples taken at two totally different times. They they can get they give us history. But I can't look at the two and well, say, yeah, that's- say now. And the reason I say that there have been times and there are times I, I've recommended it to other people. Take two samples at the same time and send them into two different labs. If you want to compare labs. Okay. But, so I'm not sure what we're trying to well, compare. I just, here. I was, well, I was just looking at the flagged items, the potassium. It came down considerably in the second sample, uh, you know, from the from my company. Right. I didn't know, you know, they, and then, you know, the base was, I was expecting the base to be better because I had added some base to it 5,000 miles before they took that sample. So, but uh, everything may- else is pretty close to about the same, I think. Maybe I'm getting confused. Let me check some dates and some miles here. So I'm looking at one that was in January, and then this one is in, the last one on this well, was the last October. One on the- Right. So if we go yeah. from October, your base was 0.58, which is you are about to enter the acid territory. If you would have went much farther without putting right. in base or changing the oil, you would have started to see a number in the column to the left there, total acid number. And that's when we're doing damage. So you right. were really, really low on base. But your next sample is significantly higher on base. It did what you what it should have done, right? So what uh, was what yeah, was the was question there? Mostly concerned. You went I from point five eight on base well, to three point two seven, which is absolutely fine. Right, that's what I wanted it to. You know, I wanted to see what that would be when I added the base, and it came out the way I expected it to. But I was just questioning that potassium and 
you know, because that level it, was kind of high and it, they flagged it, it on. Ignore, both ignore potassium. By itself, it is completely okay. meaningless. No matter how high it goes, okay. it's completely meaningless. Okay. If, however, both sodium and potassium are flagged, we have a coolant leak. Right. But it has to be both. Okay. If it's one or it, sodium right. can be really high and it's meaningless. You have to have uh -huh. both. Okay. All right. Well, that takes care of it then. Uh, yeah, you're nothing. As far as my numbers. Nothing to worry about in these samples. The thing we've learned about this truck as it uses base. Yeah. Now, something we right. could kind of gather from that data, typically if a truck is using a lot of base, we have poor combustion. You're not building a lot of soot, but usually if we go through base, it's poor combustion that creates that acid. It just if the overhead hasn't uh, been set well, in a year or so, I would think about doing that. Um it's not a okay. it's not a major well, it factor. We're not going to run into the shop and try to figure this out. But it would be in the back of my mind right. is could could I make some improvements here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I'm a tanker driver, so I'm running the engine at idle a lot, a high idle. That'll do it for my compressor and my pump. That that can you do know? it. So, that alone, we okay. don't get good complete combustion sometimes in idle the way we do when we're driving. Right, and I am using the catalyst, and it has. I've noticed a big that, difference in uh, so it's starting to get better mileage. Is part, you know, that, my that, fuel mileage is coming up a bit. That may be a clue too. the The reason we're not seeing the yeah. soot is because of the catalyst, but we're we're still uh -huh. not getting complete combustion. We're getting better combustion. That's why we're not seeing the soot go up. But we're we're using right. up our base. Again, th these are minor okay. little tweaks. If you were to call the lab, they would never even talk about this. I just like to get right. trucks well, optimized. If I, if I think there might be right. something I could still optimize, then I'm going to go look for it. Okay. Yeah, I bought plenty of the base so I can add it occasionally when I need it. So Perfect. That's something I'll do in the future all the time. Now. Yeah, try to, and, try uh, to keep it above 2.5. Right. Okay. And uh, as far as business-wise, uh, I knew this year was going to be kind of cruddy, so I, I planned for it, and I've been taking a whole lot more time off. So I'm good. You know, good. It's been slow, so I'm so I'm staying home a little bit more often. But business is still doing good. You know, I mean, I'm not as good as last year, but it's not killing me either. <laughs> you know, the be the beauty of being so I, I prepared, the beauty of doing the hard work like you've done and being prepared when times are good, you do the right stuff. When times are bad, instead of getting desperate and running even harder and running faster and taking cheaper freight just because you have to pay the bills, you get to sit back now and say, eh, you know what, this is a good time to just take it a little easier. That's right. I love that. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, th things are going good. Thank you. And yep. uh, that's enough for me. Excellent. Have a good day. Good, Thank good you. stuff. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, hang on. i got to wait for my low air warning buzzer to go off. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, i got a question. i got a question about a, uh, a truck that I'm looking at considering it buying. Like, it sounds like you're sending um, out tweets. <laughs> it, it'll stop here in just a second. Okay. Um, we're going to buy a, a uh, 2013 
the Volvo 670. It's got a Cummins engine in it. Um, this engine has uh, just shy of 1.2 million. It was rebuilt at a million. So it's only got 180,000 on the, on the in-frame. I know the guy who in-framed it. It's a garage where he does a lot of work on my truck. Matter of fact, he's done all the maintenance on this truck. Um, the, uh, now the engine is deleted, both the EGR and so, so the look, 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 look. Uh, if you want my advice on this truck, I don't need to go any further. They're, my philosophy okay. on buying equipment, my philosophy on any time I have a big decision with a lot of choices, are there lots and lots of trucks on the market to buy? Yes, thousands. Uh, and, uh, no, thousands uh, no. and thousands of trucks are available to buy. Probably more right now than there's been in a while. So the answer to that question is yes. Right. If there's a lot of choices, and this is a big, important decision, I don't take the approach that I'm looking for the right truck to buy. Every time I look at a truck, I look for a reason not to buy it. And in 15 seconds, right. you gave me two big reasons. Why would I ever want to screw up a Volvo with a Cummins engine and no way in hell I'm buying a deleted engine? This is a this is such a strong slam dunk no that if you start talking about this truck again I'm going to hang up on you. Move on. <laughs> what would you like to talk about? I don't care if they gave well, me this truck. If it, I, I will make a strong statement. If this if they gave me this truck I would sell it. I wouldn't run it if it was right. free. So don't tell me it's a great price because free wouldn't be a good enough price for me. I'd sell it and go buy something else. Okay, well, I am looking at another truck, but I think I know what your opinion on this one's going to be. It's a 2016 Cascadia. It's a glider with a 12.7, 13 speed, 342 rears. It's got 740,000 miles on it. What engine? 12.7 Detroit. It's got a 1999 12.7 Detroit in it. Who built it? Harrison. Okay. I made sure it, it wasn't Fitzgerald. Um, look, I know Fitzgerald ran through a real problem there at the end, but it wasn't their build quality. It was the fact that they chose to put engines in trucks that they shouldn't have, and it was because that's all they could get. Now, it's not an excuse, um, but Fitzgerald built great right. gliders for a lot of years. Their builds were, uh, in my opinion, top-notch when it comes to gliders. Um, Harrison, though, is top-notch as well. So if this would have been built by some random dealer that only or a garage or a shop, I'd be careful. Harrison built it. Now, right. we, do, we do still have that issue of, of everybody that was building gliders. Well, your, your line is getting really noisy. Um Hold on. Oh, hang on here. I, I feel like I'm screaming. I just tried to close my door. No. Yeah, that's I can good. hear you fine, though. Go ahead. I know. I feel like I'm screaming because I can't hear myself over all the noise. Um, so we've got one plus. It's built by a good builder. There is the issue of those engines. Everybody was using blocks that probably shouldn't have been used and we wouldn't have used those blocks had we had any other choice. So I am a little leery about all of the gliders being built there towards the end. We were we were just running out of good blocks. Um, that doesn't mean I wouldn't consider this truck, though. I would consider this truck. I, I would just do a lot of due diligence, you know, check crankcase pressure, 
Um, I, I would do a lot of inspections on that engine. The glider, well, I'm not concerned I mean, about. And, and like I said, it's right. a good builder. But I, I, I just, I would want to know that engine was solid. Right. Well, I mean, I, I know you tell me there's a lot of trucks out there for sale, but I've been looking for a truck for a while. And I mean, I want a specific truck. Def, I def, want def, something to of course. the way I want it. Oh, well, now wait a minute. So, so you're it's, telling it's me, hold, hold, hold on. You're telling me that you want a Volvo with a Cummins? That's not what I want, but I, I want, well, I want a Volvo, but if I, if I, uh, you know, if you get a Volvo, most of it's going to have the emission stuff on, which I do not want to deal with even EGR just because of the potential for, you know, downtime and the repairs and no one knows how to fix them right. No, that's not true anymore. In today's world, I think that's a, a bad thought process. We have figured out the emissions. Even on trucks that weren't specced okay. right, we, we used the catalyst and a couple other strategies, and we've eliminated all of those problems. Spec the truck right and drive it right, and we're not seeing emissions problems at all. We're past that. I, I was probably the biggest advocate in the country for not having emissions if you didn't need them. I was the one pushing the gliders mm-hmm. and keep your old trucks and rebuild them. I, but I stopped doing that a couple years ago. Because these new trucks, I, I'm very, very impressed with the new trucks when they're built right and spec'd right. So now I understand why you, you feel like you're so limited because you are trying to be pre-emission. That's difficult in today's world. I'm not saying you can't do it and it, it's well, yeah. an okay goal, but it, let me ask you something else. You said, I've been looking for a truck for a while. How long? Probably eight months. I, you know, and, and I, I promise I you, I could, have, I could have found 30 great trucks in eight months. Now, in the last eight months, they would all be overpriced. That would be the biggest problem. Right. But that's going away right. now. That You wasted your time right. for the last eight months. And honestly, if you would have called me eight months ago, I would have said, don't bother looking. There are no trucks that I would buy today. None. Right. But that's now changed. Well, so forget uh, the last eight months. I have found, We're in a new world now. Right. I have found trucks that, uh, you know, there, there's trucks out there that still have 12.7s, but, you know, I want a 13 speed. I want, uh, you know, well, just a, basically a 12.7 with a 13. And, um, and those, once they come on the market, those things sell pretty quick. I mean, if they're a decent truck, you know, most most everything I find so, is so let's, seven, eight hundred miles away. So, time. All right. So here's a new strategy then. Find a salesperson and build a relationship and have them go get this truck for you at an auction. They'll find it. They're all over the place. You just give this is how I bought used trucks. I had one person who bought all my trucks for me for years and he wasn't in the same state I was in. I was I met the guy when I was in Ohio buying trucks. He was in Illinois. No, it was Indiana. Then Then I moved to Florida. But if I could deal with him from Ohio, I can deal with him just as easy from Florida. I don't care if he was in California. I pick up the phone or I send him an email. Here's what I'm looking for very specifically. I want this truck, this engine, this transmission. I want it under this many miles. I'm not willing to pay any more than this for it. Call me when you find it. And don't change the oil and don't service it. Don't even wash it. I want to see it at the auction condition. Uh, that strategy worked perfect. I did it for years. 
Okay. Well, that's something make, new I can make, make them earn there. their commission. Right. Right. Instead of standing um, around in the parking lot going, yeah, here's a red truck for you. No, make them go work for it. Find a, find a good sales guy who's willing right. to go do some work and put him to work for you. Okay. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, I have found lots of, I mean, like I said, I, I really like the Volvos and I have found lots. Uh, well, here's, here's a problem. Lots, you know, here, here, they have here, the admission. Here's a problem. As much as I loved Volvo trucks, there was a long period where I stopped buying them because you can't get a Detroit in a Volvo after 01. Right. To me, well, I, the you know, engine I'm pretty... was more important than the truck. I was willing to, to what I considered downgrade back to Freightliners again when I had had Volvos for years because the engine was more important for me. That's why the last several trucks that I bought were all Freightliners. I didn't want a Freightliner. I don't like them. I don't like their dealers. I don't like the quality. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't like about Freightliner. Cascadia was finally an improvement, but I, I not to where I wanted to be. Um, I just don't think it compares in a lot of ways to a Volvo. Sorry, Henry. Um, I know Henry loves his Freightliners and he does fantastic with them. And it's a personal preference. There are some trucks I absolutely hate just because I don't sit in them right. But the engine to me was the critical component. Uh-oh, that call just completely disappeared. No idea what happened there. Um, but I think I got my point across. Go back to looking for trucks, but put put a sales guy on this. He'll go find the truck for you. Then you can get it before it's been oil sampled. Th this is really the way you should buy trucks anyway, because then we can get an oil sample. If you're shopping out of truck paper the lot, it's too late to get an oil sample. They've all changed the oil. Let's go to Texas. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Um, so this is your uh, buddy that's going into the... Uh Postgraduate uh, AI ML. Yeah, my um, my new co-host. Um, right there, you go. All um, right. Hey, so but what I what I was going to touch on today was something that I kind of went through. Uh, this was years ago, before I even got into into trucking. We're talking about debt. We're talking about you know how you were saying it's a mind, it's a shift in the way you think. And, um, I mean, I went through some rough times financially uh, many moons ago and, and, and through nobody's fault but my own. And uh, but where I came to is, you know, when we go out and we get a loan, we get a loan for a truck or we get a loan for a house or we get credit cards or whatever it is we get, and then we start utilizing them. And then people, for some reason, our mind shifts like, well, I don't want to use my cash to pay for that bill or to pay for that bill, um, you know, because I need my cash. I need to be able to hold on to it. And, and while that's not wrong, but I think, you know, I started looking at my debt almost from my, from my credit position, okay? Looking at it as a savings, means of saving, because I can go out and I can charge five thousand on a credit card and now I have five thousand dollars less credit or I can start working and paying that credit card off and then that debt or that credit the debt goes away and the credit comes back to me. It's it's a recyclable entity that one keeps you out of trouble 
and it and it builds it and it builds a future for you tomorrow and the day after and the month after and the year after. I mean, am I am I seeing that wrong? Or I mean, that's how I see it. Uh, no, you're seeing it right. And for a lot of people, I even take it one more step. For for a lot of people, and this is Dave Ramsey's approach, and he's been criticized heavily for it. Debt can be a powerful tool managed properly, but managed properly mm-hmm. is where it all falls apart. Most people don't even understand what that concept would mean. So rather than try to teach people how to manage debt properly to gain some advantages like using credit cards a lot to take advantage of the points. We do it in our business and we get incredible amounts of points. And that points turns into stuff, supplies for the business, whatever. But there, every time you use credit, you increase your risk and your cost. And we have to understand that. If used properly, it can be a tool and sometimes a very powerful tool. But I tend to lean more into Dave Ramsey's camp of we should focus on just not using credit first. Build cash, but don't use credit. And then somebody's going to go, well, but then I can't buy this. That's the point. That's how you become financially independent is by not buying things, by saving money. So now in business, if something is necessary, then you spend the money. Most people get in trouble with their personal credit, but it can certainly happen in business too. So I like the approach of credit is dangerous. Let's be very, very careful with it. The idea of somebody saying, I'm going to use this credit because I don't want to spend my cash is just stinking thinking. You just increased your risk and your cost when you didn't have to spend the damn cash. Well, I think they get into a a scare tactic of um, not wanting to let go of that cash because of what if. And, you know, and I'm kind of speaking toward that person who's already in that that situation of bad debt. And, uh, and, and you're right. I mean, that so could be let's used think very about powerfully so, let, or it let, could be let, very detrimental. Let's think about something. If we're talking about somebody who is already in debt and their philosophy is, I have some cash here, but I'm going to use more credit, that is totally bass-ackwards. Take the money you have and pay down. And this is how you got to this place where you have too much debt. Remember the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You got to this point because you didn't want to use your cash. You kept borrowing money. And now you think borrowing more is going to get you out of this? Bruce Williams had a statement. I must have heard him say it 10,000 times over the years I listened to him. You can't borrow your way to prosperity. No, you can't. It increases uh, your cost. Always. If you increase your cost of anything, then you have less left over. I would rather see somebody, you know, I'll be, I'll use real simple math. If you've got a credit card with a $30 minimum monthly payment, you don't, you, first of all, and you have a hundred dollars in cash, I would rather take the hundred dollars in cash and pay it all toward that credit card. Yes. 
I'd rather be without so, the cash. I'd still have access to that card if, God forbid, I needed it for, for whatever reason. It's 70 bucks. But, but nonetheless, you've still done a benefit to yourself. And people got to get in the mindset of you, don't, don't be scared of not having cash, especially if you have the debt. You can always access the debt if you pay it down. Correct. I'd rather not really ever access the debt, especially in my personal life. There's now here's the thing. When I talk about using debt as a tool and and we'll use credit cards as an example in, in my world, there would never be a balance ever except throughout the month. It gets paid off every single month. No exceptions. That's how you create an advantage because I'm going to pay them either zero or very minimal interest, and I'm going to gain more by getting their points. They make that offer knowing that if you do this right, they get screwed. They make it because they know about 98% of the people won't do it right, and they'll make a whole lot more money and interest for all these people carrying balances. Of course, no doubt about it. I mean, it's a vicious cycle, and the credit card companies have it down to a T. So here's the thing. um, Having access to some credit is a good thing. It shouldn't shouldn't be in credit cards. Maybe you have one. You know, I I have one. No, I have two. I forgot I got an Apple card because of that new savings account rate. that they're. And again, I would have never gotten that Apple credit card. I didn't need it. I have one credit card. That's all I need. It, it, It doesn't even matter what the limit is. I, that's, you know, that's enough. Now, I also would have ac- access to a home equity line of credit that never gets used. But at some point, if you're doing good financial planning, there's zero need for credit. I, I have enough cash now for any emergency. If I ran out of cash, the, the, we're in, you know, Mad Max territory at that point. And that should be the exactly. goal. And, and you're probably yeah. not going to get there in your 30s. Um, it took me to my 50s to get there. But I'm there now. I, I don't need a home equity line of credit or a credit card, period. I only use the credit card to get to scam their points. Yep, I agree. And but I just think if you are, to, yeah. oh, no, this is a great topic. If you are misusing credit like you described, you'll never get to the point that I'm talking about. No, because you'll always be paying to the yep. to the higher. Yep. You know, I heard this. I, I was hey. I was at a comedy show one time in Las Vegas. Real quick, this guy he said, "Did it? Did anybody? Did everybody win today?" And of course, everybody in the room was like, "No." And he said, "You know, there's a reason for it because they have a bigger house. Just look at their house and look at your house and see who's going to win." <laughs> and it's the same thing with the credit card company. Absolutely. I mean, they just got it down. And if you use it wrong, then it's going to bite you. Oh, anyway, right. Dave, I, uh, Dave, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. Uh, I took enough of your time. But thanks, well, to, well, thanks again. Wait, and, wait, wait. Uh, One more thing. Because we'll this is a good topic. This is kind of stuff yeah. I want to talk about on today's. I've got this goofy hack that can ca- kind of help people. It's one of those things that always gets everybody's attention and they think it's so clever. But it, it's a nice little hack. If you believe you have to have a credit card for emergencies. Have one and only one. And I tell people to take that credit card, get a big metal coffee can, put it in there, hold it on the bottom with something, Mm -hmm. fill it up with water and stick it in the freezer. 
It it will slow down the impulse purchases. When you're scrolling online and one of those ads pops up and you just have to have this thing right now, well, you got to thaw out your credit card and it's going to take you a while and you it might be enough to stop you from making that impulse purchase. No, no doubt. I mean, I always use the, I put it off till tomorrow, sleep on it idea. That's a great, if you and, have uh, the discipline to sitting, do that, that's a it, great idea. Yeah. I mean, if it's still sitting pretty with me in the morning, then okay. If not, then move on. That, but, great idea. Most people don't have that kind right, of discipline. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Well, you know, at 60 years old, I had to learn something. (laughs) There you go. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Carolina. Jamil, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I just had a question about, um, I know you've been saying, like, it looked like we approached maybe the bottom of the market. And so I was curious. Sorry, I cut the GPS down. But I was curious, do you think now would be a good time to probably Get started. Uh, things still waited out a little longer. I was uh, I found me a trailer. I already owned the truck, and I found me a trailer on um, for like eight thousand dollars that I was gonna so buy when, cash in. When you I say get get started, I'm not sure what you mean. You already have the truck. What are you doing with the truck right now? Oh no, I know, I know. Oh, I'm a company. I'm still a company driver. Oh, but you own a truck? Yes. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Okay. When did you buy it? Oh, Kevin, I bought it. I bought it back in 2017. Did you really? Okay. All right. I, yes, sir. I bought it back in 2017. Yeah, well, but I've been, well, I good. You got a bargain on love. it. Uh, yes, I did. I did. Um, 14000 Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, and the trailer I'm about to buy, um, I got a deal on the trailer for like, it's a 2008 and, uh I'm going to buy it for eight thousand. Fantastic! Tomorrow, tomorrow for eight thousand dollars. Fantastic! What a what a great setup. So, are you thinking about getting your own authority or leasing to somebody? Uh, I've been battling with that uh, own authority last, so those would be my two options. So, I, I could say in and today's market, especially, you would have a lot less risk to go with Landstar for a while. A lot less. It, it, okay. You know, the rates are down, but Landstar tends to not drop as much as everybody else. They, they, Landstar doesn't go up as high as everybody else does either because they tend to really work with their customers and not try to gouge them just because they can. And then that kind of come, comes back to them when the rates are really poor. Their shippers tend to stay with them and not try to gouge them as much. So we've seen that pattern with Landstar for years. So you're a little protected from some of the spot market rates with Landstar. You don't have all the risk of crazy high insurance costs like we're dealing right now with with your own authority. Um, I would be leaning heavily towards the Landstar model for right now. And maybe it only takes six months. You know, the market will turn around, settle down a little bit. We haven't found the bottom yet. I thought we were there. We, we've seen a couple bounces. The, the news that I'm reading in the last couple of weeks makes me believe we're not at the bottom yet. Okay. So I love okay. your planning. Congratulations. Um, I, I think this is awesome. Having the discipline you know, to spend 20 some thousand dollars and, and just have that truck sitting there has actually worked out really good for you. You got a bargain on the truck. You've, you've yes. now waited until equipment prices came down. You're getting an awesome price on a trailer. Um, 
you've got a great start to this. And I, um, I mean, I work with Heartland and oh, fantastic! I'm a over at Heartland, and I mean, I make like eighty-two cent a mile, so fantastic oh yeah that's that that's now now you're you're gonna struggle in today's market to make 82 cents a mile with your own truck oh, even I, I at understand. okay good I, I under, good I, I understand that i understand that yes i do so, I so that, but you know I, what i'm I hearing that concept was starting the bottom like yeah what i'm hearing is you've been very responsible with your money and you have the ability to take a pay cut so that you can get your business going which is, again, congratulations. Uh, some of the decisions you've made have put you into about the top 2% already. Oh, thank you. I had, a, honestly, I, I had $60,000 saved up on um, cash. And Fantastic. I, I made a crazy purchase here a few weeks ago, and I took $10,000 out of my state. I bought me a new pickup truck. <laughs> I shouldn't have did it, but... Um, I've been wanting a new pickup for a while. So. Look, you've done really well taking 10000 and rewarding yourself. Not a bad thing at all. You've got this, really. I, I would I would really explore Landstar first, though, for right now. Okay, okay. And uh, thank you, Kevin. One more thing. I, sure. uh, the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I started the audible last night. And I keep going back, listen to the part where he was talking about the goose on the late to go to egg, how he relate that to the business perspective. And I yes. love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Actually, yeah. my, my, my barber was my barber white, so I was going to name it the goose. The goose. I love that. Yeah. So let me explain yeah, but, that to people because no, you did a great, I forgot about that story in the book. Um, that's a great piece to pick out. Here's an example of killing the goose when you're an owner operator. Uh, we get a pretty big check at the end of the week, right? Our settlement. You, you go from a company driver, even at 82 right. cents a mile. And all of a sudden, that check you get at the end of the week when you own the truck, it's significantly bigger, much bigger for a lot of reasons. You need to be saving money for tires and clutches and eventually to replace a truck. And, and so that's one place where money should be going that people don't do it. You should be either paying your taxes as you go or at least putting the money aside to make sure you can pay them quarterly. Well, a lot of people just skip all that stuff. They don't save any money for maintenance. They don't save any money to replace the truck when it's going to need it. And they don't save any money for taxes. They go out and spend it on a new bass boat and a bigger house and another vacation. And then when those other things come due, they've killed the goose. The goose is gone. You're going to be out of business. Now what do you do? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So that that's that's an example in trucking of how you kill the goose. You don't right. manage your money properly, right. and you keep spending money that should have been for the business, and then pretty soon the business is gone. Now what the hell do you do? Right. Or <laughs> right. Or right, yeah. instead of buying equipment the way you did, when they're a bargain and using cash. They buy trucks at the most expensive part of the cycle and finance them for eight years. Now, if that truck catches fire, burns down, gets stolen, they're out of business and they owe a bunch of money. That's another way to kill the goose. Get a goose, right. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, as far as business yeah. books, all the books that you... Um, got on your website i read all those books um the outwit and the devil i know you mentioned that one recently that's probably the best book i've read which one outwitting the devil uh, outwitting the devil oh yeah that uh 
By Napoleon Hill. Napoleon yeah. Hill, the same guy who wrote Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, yes. that's a great story. Right, right, yes, yes, so, I love that. So, hey, that's, Jamil, that's what I've been doing. Uh, hey, hey, Jamil. This all makes sense uh-huh. now. I thought you were like some business prodigy. You've read all the books. Of course you're making the right decisions. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, it all makes sense I now. I talk to people, they say, you don't have your own business. I say, nah, I always, I always say I listen to Kevin. I listen, I've been listening to you since 2014. Well, thank you. Thank you. And reading the yeah, books, that's, it's, yeah. it's, it's why you've got this. You've done the hard work. Okay. And uh, I, one more thing, Kevin. I'm sorry, but I know That's you said right. that um, you know, it's it's hard to um, like come up with your numbers if you haven't started running your business. So I've been playing with numbers, and I even included my household expenses on top of my well, sure. what I think my business expenses would be. Okay. And I came up with like a dollar and fifty. I came up with like a dollar and fifty for home expenses and my business expenses. That's probably a good number. I don't have much at home. I really don't. Wait, I, I need to make sure we're. So you mean you need to profit a dollar fifty per mile? To no. Pay the, oh, okay. I didn't think so. I need to make. I need. Yeah, I need a gross dollar oh, fifty to pay oh, okay. bills at home. Got it. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But and we we use both numbers. We just have to make sure we're keeping them separate correctly. So I I always want people to do the business numbers first. How much profit's left or how much are we projecting? Then we go do the personal numbers and do they match? And and what you've done, which is good, this is another step. You've kind of done what we would call the break-even point. You need to net $1.50 a okay. mile just to break even. All the bills are paid and then the money's gone, right? So there, there isn't anything left after right, we pay the right. business bills and the personal bills. If we were to net or gross that $1.50 a mile, we're breaking even is the way I would consider that. Now, anything above a dollar fifty a mile becomes true profit, and we can then use that to expand the business, create an emergency fund, start our personal emergency fund, our retirement. So, yeah, you're again, you you nailed it. You, you have the number we need to know. Okay. Okay. Well, Kevin, I sure appreciate you, man. You the goat. Uh, well, you, <laughs> I say you the goat, the greatest you, of all time. <laughs> you you just keep calling me because I love talking to people like you. This is what makes my day enjoyable. Okay. So you just keep calling me. Okay. All right. I sure will. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Man, I love calls like that. Let's go to Wisconsin. Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Doing wonderful. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, I was just, uh, you know, listening to some of the episodes that I missed. and You were talking the other day about all the AI, and I just, I'm kind of working on a program of a mentorship thing, and I have a been doing it a long, long time, but, uh, you know, thinking about on the nutrition side with this AI and the, I don't know, news media and then what gets published about what you should and shouldn't eat being way far away from what you and I believe in as far as either a nutrient dense keto or a carnivore or, uh, you know, them, you shouldn't eat meat. I mean, I just saw the other day that somewhere in Europe now they're growing chicken with cells from chicken so that they no longer... We have to raise chickens. This is being called lab-grown meat is is what we're talking about here, whether it's a chicken, a salmon, a cow, whatever. There are companies working on what's called lab-grown meat. It's just an awful idea, and I would stay far away from that. I agree, totally. So what's your concern with AI on this? 
so AI will grab the information that you and I don't necessarily believe with. So the, you know, the news media, the main media and all the, most of the writings that AI would grab its information from to, if someone goes to search on something or whatever, and someone's website or that used AI, it's going to show everything that the masses want you to correct go towards, you know, only eat vegetables, only eat non-meat stuff. And so I just, you know, a, a regular person that doesn't, that says, okay, I need to get some information. I'm going to go to the internet and they search three or four different places. Well, if those three or four websites come up were influenced by AI and it's going to be everything away from what they should be eating. I mean, to me, it's just adding to that whole yeah, thing. It, of how it, do you get through to people? Because it, it now will. they're going to be taught again, you know, it, <laughs> the it, wrong no, way. <laughs> you're right. It will make the current problem worse. That current problem already exists. And let me tell you why and why AI really isn't going to change it much, just maybe make it worse. The best way I've been able to describe, oh, and by the way, I should tell all my AI haters to turn off the radio for a while because we're going to talk about AI it, on a free for all. If anybody brings it up, we're going to talk <laughs> about it. Um, so the best way to think about AI, most people think of it as one thing. It's not. It's not one thing at all. It's the exact opposite. It's a million things. AI, each instance of AI or version of AI. AI is not one thing. Google has Bard. That's their AI. Um, OpenAI has ChatGPT. There's Jasper. There's uh, th These things are popping out of the woodwork. You have to look at AI as a human being. Do all human beings okay. who have studied nutrition, do they all believe the same things? No. They, no every one of them believes something no. different. AI will be the same way. You don't know how that AI is going to handle nutrition until you know what large language model that AI was trained on. If I, if the right, functional... If the functional medical world gets a hold of AI and trains it the way we believe, then you will have a very different experience. But you are correct to be worried okay. because we are outnumbered. Google and, all, right. and all these so, big uh, tech companies to... are, are. So, Ooh. yeah, the, the problem's going to get worse because people are going to go, right. oh, no, look, AI said this. It must be right. No, right. AI is going well, to be wrong. That's what I'm a trying lot. to say. Just think about this, Kevin. What about all our doctor friends that have been silenced and have this ever because they don't want that information out? So as long as the whatever media or politicians or whatever it is say, okay, we're going to only – the AIs are only going to live off of this information – so it's just so, to me, it's going to be like the food pyramid on steroids. Well, let, let, me, <laughs> let me try to put a positive spin on it. Because I I, okay. I, I I try to be optimistic as much as I can. I feel more optimistic now that I stopped watching the news all the time. So let, let's look okay. at, at this instead. So I have been talking about how I'm already using AI in order for me to be far more productive than I've ever been. In order for me to get all this knowledge I have crammed into my noggin, how do I get that out to people in a way that helps them? And that's my biggest struggle. 
I've tried everything. I've tried teams. I've tried a personal assistant. I've tried ghostwriters. I, I, it just never seems to work for me. All of a sudden, though, AI works really well for me. I can sit down for several hours using AI tools and produce really, really good content. Now, it's not the AI creating the content. It's me. The AI is just making the content creation easier and better. It's tweaking my content, making it more understandable and making me far more productive. So I'm looking at the positive uses of AI in my business. Now, let's look at the health issue. Right, and I want uh, to on. as well. I'm just worried that hold, it's going to tell hold, me when I, okay. Hold on. I, just take a deep breath. And okay. th this is an area where um, <laughs> listen more than you talk right now. I, I am spending three to four hours a day on this, and, and I'm not saying I've got it all figured out. I'm not even close. But, but I've gotten through some things that will really help people. First off, think of AI as people. And any time we're in an area where it's more opinion than it is fact, and I will promise you that everything about nutrition and health is more opinion than fact. We are very, very, very short on facts because it's really difficult to get real, true testing in health. The testing is all a mess. Right. So, so we have far more opinions in health, including me. I could say I did a ton of research and my opinions are based in fact, but what if my research was flawed? Then my facts are flawed. Right. And, and so things, I, I could be wrong And like too. you've said all over well, the years, you've changed. You've changed. Course. There's times that you've said something and then right. you've gone back and go, oh man, when we've done this for a period of time, we realize this. So what I'm trying to think of is, and I like AI, don't get me wrong, I'm not beating on AI. I'm just saying, Say, say I want to sit down and use AI to help me take all those things out of my brain, like you say yours. But then it says, well, no, what you're telling me to help with a, let's say I'm going to write a, a paragraph on a something. to say, no, because all this other stuff that it learned from says it's this way. And you're trying to tell me something right. that's totally wrong. So it's going to want to not print out what I wanted to put out. You know, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> it's not that, listening to my thoughts. I'm trying to get on, on, well, print, first know. off, if you have to learn how to use AI, but you also, okay, here's, here's another thing that's going to screw a lot of people up. I feel totally confident that I can give tons and tons of health and nutritional advice without the help of anything. I don't need Google. I don't need AI. I already have all that knowledge. If, if you're trying to use AI right. to gain knowledge, you better be really, really careful. If AI tells me something, I know if it's right or wrong, but only because I've done so much work and so much research. If somebody says, oh, I want to get into the health field and they start using AI to try to train them, things could go horribly wrong. I, when I yeah, use AI, yeah, I'm just AI, trying to talk I, like you were I, saying about writing a book or something. Uh, but again, if you know, I I'm, sit I'm trying, down, how is it going uh, to put I, my I, your or my information? Let me explain not it. Theirs, I, you know? Let me explain it to you. Okay. You have to learn how to use the tool properly. If I see all my content gets written by me first, I don't use AI right. to create the content. I use AI to make it better. So I write the content or I speak it and let AI write it for me. 
But all it's doing is putting my words into text so now we can manipulate the text with AI. It's my content. Everything starts with my content. Right. Now, if I tell AI, and I'm, I'm working a paragraph at a time here, I have a paragraph. This is the idea that I want to convey with this paragraph. I know if I give this to AI, it can write it better. I'm not asking AI to give me the facts or change the facts. All I'm asking AI to do is improve right. the writing. Every, everyone, now, so, well, then there's no worry about the content. Okay, so it won't, AI, though, won't say, okay, you're saying something totally different than what it's well, learned if it, from if elsewhere. It does, you're talking about it, it just using it just, If it does, if I put a paragraph in and I tell AI, improve this, and there's, you have to know how to use the right words. The skill here. Correct. So I saw a meme that made a lot of sense to me, and, and people should think this way. AI is not going to take your job. Somebody using AI is going to. The trick here is to become really good at using AI. And people don't understand. Every word you type in as a prompt matters. And you have to get really good at learning how to prompt the system. You're going to get wrong answers. I get them all the time. I tell it to rewrite this paragraph and it changes a... a key factor concept. Well, I can't just grab that and use it. I have to go back to AI and get it to do it right. And that takes a lot of time and patience and learning. There's a lot of hard work to figure out how to use AI properly. And it's happening so fast and there's new tools every day. And it is mind boggling right now. But the, the, the key is this is not a, oh, my God, chat GPT is here. I'm going to go write a book and make a million dollars. No, you're not. Unless right. you had no. all the information in your head to write a million dollar book. You're not going to get good information on topics like this from chat GPT or, or any AI system. Correct. No, I'm looking at it to get it out of my brain into print in a way that I would think AI would help me organize it better and, you know, so, like you said, take those I, ideas and print them in a way that it's better than I can do. Here's, <laughs> here's how I'm learning. Like I learn everything else. I take a paragraph that I've written. Every word of it is mine. I run it through OpenAI and I try different prompts. Clarify this paragraph for me. Um, I never use the term rewrite. Rewrite is a horrible prompt. Uh, take this content and write it in a language that's more impactful. Take this content and simplify it so it's easier to understand. I'm not telling it to create content. I'm not telling it to change content. I'm telling it to write it in a way. Sometimes I'll tell it to take this paragraph and make it more witty, make it funnier, make it easy to read. There's a thousand things we can do with our own ideas, but using AI. Now, there are some ways we can use AI for ideas too. Uh, Sometimes I'll just sit down and say, um, you know, today I want to talk about the independent contractor rule. Give me 10 themes that I could start with. And it will. It'll give me 10 ideas around uh, uh, the concept of being an independent contractor Eight of them are probably going to be total garbage. 
but I might find one or two in there that, <laughs> that sparks my own mind. And I say, oh, that, that's a really good concept. Let me focus on that. Then I'll take that concept and I'll write my idea of that concept from scratch. And I won't, I won't type it because okay. I suck at typing. I'm using an AI tool where I'm talking just like I'm talking to you. I would be talking to the AI program right now and I would speak right. my I'm ideas. just on a lighter Go ahead. Yeah, on a lighter note, Kevin, just on a, on a funny, I still say that if the general, if AI will get to the point to where a general person will do a Google search and it will be the food pyramid on steroids when it comes to nutrition. <laughs> Again, I know, but but here's here's okay. So let me go back to where the positive of this as as the world exists right right now, the big pharma companies, the big media companies, the big food companies and our big medical systems. We can even throw our government in. They all basically collude to put out all of the health information that keeps us sick, right? Exactly. And and they control the entire market for the most part, don't they? They control the media, all of it, right? Yeah, that, and they're also and then they're also the ones that can't be fifty three years old like me and still bench press four hundred pounds. So, <laughs> so you know. knowing that, that they already control the media, that's how we got here. Well, AI isn't going to help right. them all that much. What is AI going to do for them? Not just much. Supersize it like McDonald's. That, that, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, not much. It's, so that's really just a tweak. But, but what will AI do for me? AI and people like me, yeah. the enti- oh. now that becomes a much more powerful tool for us. Now I have a chance to right. go compete against them. I can now get my information out in the world 10 times better than I could without AI. They don't get that big advantage. This technology helps the underdog if the underdog uses it properly. I'll give you something that I think you'll like on a parting thing here, Kevin, so I appreciate your time. Uh, I do flatbed freight, and when I stop to get fuel, I turn the pumps on. I usually, if I have space on my trailer, I jump up on trailer and do a round of push-ups and everything. I had this guy next to me on the fuel line and goes, God, I think if I, I would, it'd be nice to be 35 again. And I looked at him, and I says, what? He goes, oh, you just ripped off 25 push-ups. I says, well, yeah, I just do something, you know, get out and get the blood flowing while I'm getting fuel. And he's like, well, if I was 35 too, maybe I could have a chance to do it. And he says, well, no, I never could do it at 25. So I says, well, 35, who's 35? And he says, you are. I says, "Um, you've got the numbers right. You just got them in the wrong order. And he's looking at me. And I says, yeah, 53. He says, no way. So because I had my wallet in my pocket, because I just started the pump, I pulled out my license, showed him. And he says, now I feel terrible. He goes, I probably couldn't do them at 25. And you're 53 and you just did that? I'm like, well, yeah. And I said, but I have always, since I was younger, now don't get me wrong, when I was a younger kid, I liked my sweets at sometimes too. But when it came to actual meal times, I was always fighting my mom for more meat, more eggs, and then I would do potatoes. But usually like a baked potato with dinner, stuff like that. Good. And Good. I was always, the you know, stockier, build, you know, and all that. And, of course, I went into playing football later on, but it was all mostly just from activities. And I always fought my parents. I, w- I need more of the meat. I need more of the eggs. I need more of the potatoes. I didn't eat, want the bread. I didn't want the noodles. I didn't want the, 
just give me those. And right. so I think something in my body was telling me this is the nutrition you thrive off of. <laughs> yep. So excellent. Good stuff. All right. Got to get back to the calls. They keep piling in. Kind of really busy for a Thursday. Did I mention? I think I did. We don't have rolling toe today, so we're good on time here. Um, we're off to Wisconsin. Brandy, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I was thinking about Sarah's call yesterday, and um, a lot of times uh, when I'm stopped for my 34, I'll take advantage of it by going uh, to like a, a farm and fleet or a Lowe's or a Home Depot or a bag of roof and just walk walk the aisles and see if any of those things I might be able to use to to solve whatever that issue might be. And it has worked almost all the time. And I was telling Angie, when you, when you do do that, bring a tape measure and bring your phone and then just take pictures of what your idea is and then see if you can place it in your truck. And I've solved many things by being a scavenger kind of thing of just finding things in a hardware store. It's like, oh, I could use it for that. And it, and it has worked many times. Another thing, so you were asking for somebody uh, with uh, the Twitter spaces. So when you first did your, uh, I think it was your first Friday show on Twitter spaces, it was Penny. But then the next time you did, I think it was Thursday, last Thursday, um, it went over really smooth. I could, you couldn't even tell. But then you lost your battery, so I went strictly over to Twitter. It was, I hardly knew the di any difference. So that's just uh, good. Good. Um, speaking of Twitter, I, I this is why I need AI or a personal assistant. I'm so bad at this kind of stuff. Right now, I'm kind of setting the schedule and putting all the information out, and I, I just shouldn't. Um, I screwed it up today. Uh, I had already told the team we were going to um, to Twitter at ten fifteen. Uh, that was prior to me finding out that Rolling Toe was done. Once I heard Rolling Toe wasn't going to be on, I thought, well, I can go all the way to 11 if I want. Well, no, I can't because I already scheduled the Twitter space for 10.15. So uh, we're going to be at 10.15 on Twitter today. So actually, I have to start thinking about getting through these calls and wrapping this up. And the other thing is also, have you ever thought about harnessing the wind in your garden? You know, basically taking those wind spinners. You could do it with so many. The applications you could use that for, you know, you know, from art to uh, bearing birds or whatever else. Uh, uh, no, I, I do that in my own. Yeah, I yard. really, really haven't. Yeah, I was actually looking at some wind turbine generators. We actually have enough wind here that I could use wind turbines to charge batteries like you use solar. Yeah. We have that much wind. Well, so if I were going to use wind, wind as you have. that that's that's the the application that I would use. I would have some wind turbines out there. Right. Another thing is so is there any so the books that you have, do you have them in hard copy less that you would never be able to get to them if they were on a Kindle? Because I'm starting to just collect the hard copy books or the, you know, the paper books so that if you have so, them in reserve, that if you had something you wanted to go back and look at and you couldn't get it anymore, you would at least have the physical copy to go back into. 
So I, I, there's no one answer on how I have books. I have books. I have physical books all over the place from over the years. I've just always bought books. I primarily now buy Kindle books unless it's a like a book on, you know, agriculture growing stuff that, you know, if the Internet goes down, do I still want this kind of the prepping survival? kind. All of those exactly. are either. All of those are either hard copy books or uh, like emergency medical procedures. I have several books on, on that. But that's going to be in a book. That's not going to be on my Kindle. Then there are some other exactly. articles yeah. or ebooks that, you know, I just print them out and put them in a file if I need to. I also have all of it on Kindle. It's many times if I buy a physical book, I may buy the Kindle copy anyway. Um, because if I still have access to my Kindle, it's just more efficient. It, it's way easier to find stuff on a Kindle yeah. than looking through 75 physical books trying to remember which book it was in. So I, I cover all the bases. I've, I've got it on a Kindle because it's convenient yeah. and powerful. But if I if this is material that I need, like I, I have books on foraging. But I, I don't really know how to forage because I haven't really gone out and done a lot of it. But I'm smart enough. If I've got a book, I can probably figure it out. So, yeah, a book on foraging is not only it's not only going to be on my Kindle. It's also I'm going to have that physical book. Yeah. Just in the prepping prepping mindset, that's all. It's like um, I'm a scavenger. I see things. You know, every time I go out to California, I see the homeless and it's amazing what they take. And they make their homes out of, and it's like, ooh, I could do that. <laughs> Not to make, but homeless, but uh, you know, making oh, yeah. fences, that, making roofs, and that, uh, and I was thinking of like with Sarah's issue, it's like, isn't there possibly that you could actually build something that you would find in a hardware store, even that you, it, um, you know, I've said for years, you, I, I for some reason, the way my brain is wired, I am not good at, at what we would call fabrication with anything, whether it's wood, metal, cloth, paper. My brain just doesn't work that way. I can visualize what I want this piece of wood to become. I can't ever make it happen in reality. I, I don't know what the what's missing in my brain. And it. I, I wish I could fabricate. Because I, I would build all kinds of crazy stuff. I just suck at it. No matter how hard I try to get better, I don't know what it is. But I can t- I tell you what I am really good at. I can MacGyver almost anything. It might be ugly, but I, I will find a way to get something done with the resources I have at hand. This also the mindset is that to fail is also to try again and, until you and get it learn. right. Right. I'm, Every time I failed, I should fail. have learned exactly. something. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Got to move along. We got to get through these calls and uh, get set up for our next round today. Let's go to Minnesota. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I appreciate you a lot for what you do for people. Um, if you got time today, we can talk about a coach. If not, sure. I can call some other time. No. To you. No, it's a free for all. Uh, You're in line and we get to talk about it. Yeah, well, the, the plan was to build, and then the building prices went through the roof, and uh, the real estate's through the roof. So the plan, about 20 years ago, a friend of mine, he had a Prevost, and he took me out to Michigan and uh, went to the NASCAR and went in the middle of the field, and it was super cool and fell in love with the coaches. <laughs> it is and, very uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
oh yeah, the ride, the the, the craftsmanship, etc. So my plan was to get the coach and then you know station it down in the southwest or something, and then just truck down there in the winter. Sure. Kind of getting tired of hauling cars in forty below weather. There you go. So my wife's on board and everything. I don't carry any debt, and uh, I was going to put about a hundred on it. And I was kind of asking you about what kind of a sweet spot for a year. My idea would be like from '93 to probably about a an '05 or '06 uh, Prevost with the Detroit in it. I was just kind of wondering what you made a thought. You know, we had a, a regular motorhome at one time, and you know the shit's peeling off the sides after a couple of years, and just so junk. What, you know, what? So, tell me what you had for a, for a was it a uh, oh a gas job? Uh, so it was a with gas. a Vago. It wasn't a coach. Okay, so yeah, totally different, uh, totally different world. Absolutely. Um, what's your total budget? How much can you spend on this? I want to spend between three and probably about. 475. So with that kind of a budget, if you go back to the 90s Prevos, you can buy a pretty darn nice coach for that price if you're willing to go there. Yeah, good. Couple things you're going to give up. Uh, you're going to give up some of the technology that has made RVs really, really nice. Um, not a big deal though. You can live without that stuff easy enough. It's really not a big deal. The other thing though, I don't, I don't know if you've been looking, it's really difficult to find a Prevo in those years with slides. Yeah. And that's what I want is I got to have the slides and you don't got enough room. I want a, a two slider. Yeah, in the Detroit 60 series, you know. Oh, now now it gets even more difficult. I mean, there's a lot of the old Detroits right. in Prevos. <laughs> oh, no, you're 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 almost looking for a unicorn at this point. Uh, what you <laughs> well, you know, they get even more fancier at a feather light. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Those are just elegant, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could, but you, I, I, you, I can't be that picky. I, I got I got another run out there by uh, Kohlberg, and I was thinking of stopping out there in the next week sometime and just looking around at some of the newer ones. But geez, the guy can't afford. You know, they're almost two million bucks for one of them. You know, news insane. <laughs> uh, un, un, unless you yeah. have absolute money to burn and i don't consider myself no. anywhere near that category well, it, 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 here's here's no. a, here's a good example of what happens with these things my, my particular coach country coach in 07 i i still have the original yeah. i still have the original window sticker on it it was seven hundred thousand nice. dollars new right. I, I bought it with 28,000 miles on it, I think. It's less than 30. Yeah. Like, like 28,000 miles um, for 220,000. Yeah, so no, think, today think, that would be a bargain. Think, I'm think looking about, on it. Think about yeah. this. Somebody paid about a half a million dollars to drive this thing for 30,000 miles. <laughs> uh, isn't that insane? <laughs> yeah. Now, on the other hand, right. yeah. I paid two twenty for it, and I've put a hundred and eighty more thousand miles on it. Yeah. Now, here's another thing you, too, you have to keep in mind: 
Mine's been in the shop for a while because it needed a lot of upgrading after 200,000 miles. We're looking at it right now. My bill is now at about $45,000, and I'm not done yet. Yeah, right. That's that's the problem. Remodeling is very expensive. But, it, but in your situation, electrical. I, I, I love this idea. You just got to really, you know, when I talk about doing the hard work to shop to buy a truck, a coach is about five times harder. <laughs> there are so many more factors to oh. keep in mind. You might want to consider... Yeah stepping down from the Prevo to something like a country coach or a four travel, almost like what we would consider second tier. You know, they're, they're not first tier. It's not, it's not a newel coach. It's not a Prevo. That's kind of first tier million, you know, multi-million dollar coaches in today's world, but there's some bargains on, you know, late, like, like, you can get a 2010 country coach, top of the line, loaded, low mileage today in the two to three hundred range. The VIN is right here. I'm sorry, Kevin. Okay, uh, here's the. And here, here's yep. the. Here, Thanks a lot. Take care. Here's the difference. My 07 country coach has four sure. four big slides. Ooh. That's the one the guy wants. Correct. What what motors in your coach? Uh, I've got a C13 Cat that I actually like a lot. Ooh, that is a nice setup. Yeah, it's an Acer, um, but no DPF. So it's the original Acer yeah, C13, uh, yeah. and I actually like that engine a lot. I would like something, you know, pre-admission, so, you know, I could work on it if something was a simple fix Te- or whatever. Technically, mine's but, not but pre-emission like, because it's A-cert, but that, that was just the first A-cert. round like EGR. And I I have had zero engine problems related to emissions in 200,000 miles. transmission, automatic? It's got the big Alice, and those uh, things are bulletproof. A six-speed Allison automatic yeah. bulletproof. Yeah, now they're a horribly right. inefficient transmission. They get awful fuel economy. I mean, that's part of the reason I struggle with fuel economy. I, I'm lucky to get six. I mean, I've got a baby mind to get six. Um, and that part of that is that transmission is horribly inefficient, but they're very, very smooth and they last forever. Are you pulling a vehicle when you're getting six then, or is that just the coach by itself? Uh, that's the coach by itself. If I throw our 24-foot car hauler on there and have a car in it and fairly loaded down like we're going to a show, I can drop as low as four and a half. Right. All right. Well, there's a lot to think about. And then uh, can you write off, if I were to finance some of it, is it, is it right off the, can you write off the interest as maybe a second home or? Uh, yeah, I would, I would seriously consider setting this up. So the coach is part of your business and write the whole damn thing off. Yeah, I suppose. Cause I'd be basing it. I was thinking either putting it out in Vegas or Havasu or maybe, you know, Southern California, I can, I can work out there and I ain't dealing with the winter and you know, I see my wife now and again that way too. Yeah, just, I, I would work but, with your uh, accountant, and I, I would maximize the deduction of owning this coach. It, it, our, our coach is a business vehicle, and we deduct virtually everything. Sure. Right. So that could be even down to the parking spot or the— uh, Yeah. If we know, set it up, whatever. Right, yes. Sure. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for your time. You know, I heard you talking about Bruce Will- Williams 
earlier, you know, I, I was an avid listener to that guy. Me too. Every now and again, I go back on the uh, YouTube and they got an old uh, NBC on TalkNet. Oh, I remember uh, TalkNet. You can yeah. listen to some of it. Yeah, you can listen to some of those old shows. You know, I, I, you but, know, it'd be funny because I've probably heard them all. I mean, I was a very avid oh, listener I, yeah. for decades. I mean, my open, welcome to my world. That that's Bruce's open. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, he he had such a life, you know. Oh. He was running daycares and running bars and nightclubs, and uh, uh, you know, he it was just such an interesting show. And the the only thing on now is you that I listen to. There's nothing interesting or anything that keeps your mind occupied or whatnot. So I really appreciate you, you know. Well, the reason I'm here doing what I'm doing is because of Bruce Williams. I listened to him for years and thought, I think I could yeah. do that. I need to get a lot smarter. But at some yeah. point, if I get smarter, I think I could do this. You know, I used to love his challenge. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but he used to bet, I think, like a million dollars that he you could stick yeah. him in any city. And all he needed was a straight truck and he could generate a certain amount of income. I forget what it was, but he, it was like a million dollar oh, challenge. Absolutely. No, nobody ever took him up on it, though. Yeah. I mean, he was a taxi driver, a truck driver. Sold Christmas uh, trees. You know, a lot of interest. Yeah. 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 Like the Chris Jersey pork rolls or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> I didn't think those were that good, but uh, yeah, either. thanks a lot for your time. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. I'll be real quick. Uh, if you underreport your miles on your IFTA, but you report all your gallons, you just made your average miles per gallon go down. I, I, I was, th um, you know, I, I couldn't get my head around it because I don't think that way and I've never bothered. But when I heard somebody say, well, they're cheating on their IFTA, I kept trying to think how, how or why? It doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. And then uh, if someone's looking for a old, like early 2000s, 4x2 Volvo that's set up to pull an RV, there's one. I don't know the name of the business, but they got a tow truck company. They're in Raymondsville, Texas. Uh, there's one sitting out the front there. Long, like, long wheelbase with a drum box behind it. Wow. Yeah. Nice and a four by two. Nice so, set. Uh, that's what I had at the end. Four by two. Yeah, I had that '99 Volvo four by two. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. To me, that's. You know what else yeah. that that is good for? If you, we just had this conversation the other day, I don't hot know shot. if you, exactly that is an yeah. awesome hot shot truck. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got the drum box behind the sleeper, which I'm makes like, it even better. Bathroom in there or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, um, you you were talking about tracking numbers, how to be successful. Yes. Well, I as I've listened to you, I track more and more things every year, and more, and then you know we like everything else, we went paperless. Yeah, and my wife said to me, she says, "You do more paper now, paperwork now that you're paperless." I said, "I track more stuff because <laughs> I, I I do it old school. I write it, I write it down in a book, and I add it up and carry it out to the end." And, uh, you know, by yeah, doing so that, the internet that goes goes down. Uh, not yeah. only that, when I'll you when I still handwrite all of my show notes. I never type my show notes. I never dictate my show notes. I write them out. Now, I use a very cool tablet that feels just like pencil on paper because that's how I like to write with pencil. 
And I have a tablet that actually recreates the feel and the look of pencil on paper. But all of my show notes and all of my ideas, all of my projects always start with handwriting. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm about the same vintage as you, and I just find it easier to do it the old-fashioned way. Not not just easier. It's for some reason it sticks in my brain much, much better if I do that. Yeah, so, right. All I'll right. let you go. I'm unloading cars. All right. It's kind of hot in South Texas. <laughs> it's actually cooled way down here. It feels like spring again instead of summer. Let's go to Missouri. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, i got two real quick things, and I'll get to my uh, question. I'm a uh, generous problem solver, and that previous caller a couple of ones ago was talking about his motorhome. About six hours from now, I will be in Red Bay, Alabama, and I'll walk across the street, and I'm generous enough so, that I'll put about $200 down on a down payment on a brand-new motorhome for you, and then you can sell your old one to that guy. You must be a Tiffin. I solved your problem. Yep. Oh, well, I will be. Yeah. About yeah. two hours from now, sorry, I, six hours from now, I'll be. I'm just, I'm just so generous. I'll, I've got two hundred dollars in my pocket, and I'll put the down payment down for you. There you go. Thank you. I, I was looking at Tiffins yeah. not long ago. I was looking at their yeah. co- coaches, well, and then, but then yeah. I, I looked yeah. at their trailers, their fifth wheels, and absolutely fell in yep. love with them, and was tempted to go buy a new Volvo, a four by two, and spec it to pull the cool Tiffin trailer. And then Tiffin sold their trailer division already. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they, I was going to suggest that Paul buy Paul could chip in a hundred bucks and put a down payment on that tractor he just mentioned and we'd have you all set up that's right yeah how generous your audience is so we're just such a generous tribe that's i love it all right now i'm going to be really uh i'm going to be really critical of you on something here and, and take you to task for something you get so focused on one thing you uh, fail to mention other things uh, that are just as Jerry, beneficial you have Jerry, mentioned I, time I, and Jerry, time again Jerry, Jerry i think we're about to no, lose let you. me you're, finish no, you're breaking up i think we're about to uh-huh, lose yeah, you. <laughs> I, I know Time and time again, you've mentioned how good maple, cinnamon, nut butter is on monkey brittle. And I'm here to tell you that that pumpkin spice and the chocolate walnut is equally as good. No, it's not. But you never mentioned them. No, it's not. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. That pumpkin spice is wonderful. I can't eat the pumpkin spice. There's too much clove in it for me. Oh. Oh, well, I love it, so... Yeah, see, maybe that's I, why you never mentioned it. So. That's exactly why I never All mentioned right. it. So uh, there's a reason I don't like clove. Okay. So when I was in the military, there's a long, you know what? I don't have time to tell it today. I'm going to have to tell that story some other day. But then, All right. I, I, leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Let's, I, I let's don't like the pumpkin spice then. because of the clove. Yeah, let's move on. All right. I have a health problem that's been going on for like six months now, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I uh, Let me explain the whole deal. I'll give you a couple of hints. That'll probably help. You're going to ask me about my diet. It's probably dirty keto. I eat at truck stops, but I'll get like a bacon cheeseburger with no bun and just cut it up and eat it. So it's okay. what I would consider dirty keto. So, And I have been for quite some time now. For about six months now, I've had an awful time eating, swallowing. I get what I think is, oh, I consider it to be heartburn, but I'm not sure it's heartburn now. Um, I went through two of the... Uh, uh, stomach acid rebuilding kits here lately and it didn't i don't know when i was taking it it might have seemed to help a little bit but what happens is is that i i get this awful 
burning pressure in my upper chest and my throat. And then when I go to eat something, for example, last night I, I had a uh, eating a steak, no potato or anything, just a steak. Uh, I I couldn't swallow hardly. And then at the time that I'd have that, I'd have an awful burning and I'd get some extremely violent, painful hiccups. Okay, so what the hell is going on? So a couple things. Any any time we feel this burning in our throat, chest when we're eating, we have to assume it's acid reflux or heartburn. That that is the most common reason. Almost nothing else causes that. Um, we could possibly confuse some symptoms of SIBO here, but the treatment we're going to do, if it's low acid, which I think it is or SIBO, we're going to make some improvements here. So we have to assume you have weak or low stomach acid. That's probably a nutrient deficiency. Um, There are some things we can do for the symptoms, and then there are some things we can do to fix this. Uh, Are you taking any apple cider vinegar? No, I not no. I want to stay long while at home. I will. I, I, would, uh, I would start okay. doing it every day. Maybe a tablespoon of good okay. raw apple cider vinegar. Dilute it with a little bit of water. Do a shot. Um, that can help immediately yeah. and actually do some help long term. Um, we could use digestive enzymes that can help here, and and we have some in the store, and we can add more HCl and pepsin back into as a supplement for right now so that we can get rid of the symptoms and then we can start working on the um oh one more thing manuka honey i would be doing it to two to three teaspoons of manuka honey a day throughout the day if you can oh okay um one other thing i would do um i don't know about you i'm horrible at this chew more thoroughly Something as simple yeah, as that, that can make an improvement. Yeah, something as simple as that can make an improvement here. Now we're probably looking at, you know, are you getting enough zinc? There are a couple nutrients that are pretty important for um, building good stomach acid, but th- that's what we're dealing with here. You just have weak stomach acid. But I do still have some of the. There's there's one I call battery acid in your. Uh, that's the HCL. Uh, stomach acid kit. That's the HCL. So. I've still got some of it left, and I've been, I've been taking some of it before a meal, and it doesn't seem to help any. Take more. I mean, I took three of them last night before I went in to eat. Do you, okay. And do you get any discomfort right. from taking three? Well, no, I go in and eat, so, and that's when the discomfort starts. So. so one of the ways we test this is if I were to take three, depending on which one, because we have different levels of HCL, for the most part, if I took three, it would almost give me heartburn. I would feel... Oh, maybe it, I'm taking too it, much of it then. No, it, you wouldn't feel... I clarified that. You won't feel it up in your throat and your okay. esophagus. You feel it more in your stomach. Because my, I don't okay, have no, reflux it, no. because my stomach acid is strong, so it keeps that lower flap closed. So now if I consume a bunch of HCL, it sits in my stomach and I actually feel it. I feel some heat and some burning. You have a weak lower esophageal sphincter. So if you have too much stomach yeah. acid, it's going to come up and cause heartburn. But it's, we need to get more stomach acid so that sphincter starts to close so that we don't get the heartburn. 
Um, it, it, this may come down to a one-on-one if, if the, you know, just the stuff I've recommended right now doesn't work in about two weeks, then we're going to have to go look and see if there's something else going on. We could have some sort of hiatal hernia. There could be some physical reasons for it. How would you determine that with a doctor? Yeah, but I would make sure it's a functional medicine doctor. Right, right. Yeah, and out in the middle of the boonies, they're pretty few and far between. So everybody does. I've looked before and I... Yeah, everybody yeah. will do some sort of a, a, you know, online consultation. All right. All right, well, that, that relieves me a little bit anyway. I just, just couldn't figure out what was going on. I mean, it's just it, really difficult to eat because it just, those violent hiccups, it just it's about a nine, debilitating. It's about a 98% chance that it's just weak stomach acid and we supplement and then build the stomach acid back up. All right. Well, I, I'll get next to Lauren. We'll work something out then. That answer, answers my question. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. Let's go to... Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Let's go to South Carolina this time. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kev? Uh, great show today, man. All over the place and everything. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to the... Uh, I want to go back to the um, credit and all that. So now, I, like I said, I, I got a some money from my mom I inherited. And uh, years ago, I screwed myself up financially, got myself back on my feet, and I had to pay for a long divorce. Long, you know, just, I'm, I'm in I'm decent shape now. But I, I, I'm at a point now where I want, you know, I want to be live comfortably, and I'm doing that. You know, I'm making myself comfortable. But, like, I, I wanted, I went the other day, I, went to, I wanted to get some patio furniture. So they're like, well, 0% finance. I'm like... All right, I could I could go out and buy it. What's your opinion on that? What do you think? I mean, should I just? I have cash, but I remember what you said. Hang on to your cash. If I'm getting it for zero percent financing, I mean, is that the smart thing to do? Or? No. Now I'll tell you why. So the way car dealers do this, car dealers can offer zero percent financing because they're financing their own stuff. Nobody else would offer zero. No, this is this was patio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, this uh, is like patio furniture. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it was pa- like vehicles on the brain. Any manufacturer, if somebody man or sells something, okay. a retailer, they can cut you a killer right. deal on the financing because they're making the profit on the sale. Making. So here's sale, what they, right. car dealers are a good example. That's why it was on my brain. But this is anybody. If they're giving you 0% financing, they're taking profit away from the sale to do it. So instead, you say, no, I don't want your financing. Let's talk price. And they'll be more willing to negotiate price. But if you take the financing, they have no room left to negotiate on the price. Well, you know, here's what's funny. I'll, I'll, I mean, you don't have any problem saying the company that I bought it from, right? Is that a problem No, go ahead. There's rooms to go. So I went in and I'm saying, look, I see the price. I want what you got. And I said, is there any way to, you know, can we negotiate this? No, we don't do that. So I'm like, you need to tell me. Uh, so so let, me, I can't- let me tell you what's happening then. This 0% financing deal is for a certain time and on a certain date, if it's not completely paid off, the interest gets jacked up. Right, yeah. Not. So, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. so they, they use two gimmicks. This is the other gimmick. They know that most people are going to take the financing and people. many of them will miss and that date. Yep. Right. So in right. This, this case, 
Now, if, the, if they won't negotiate with the price because their trick is they want everybody into the financing, well, then, yeah, I'll take the 0% financing and I'll absolutely make sure it gets paid off about three days before the final day. Right. That's what, I mean, that's what I was thinking. I'm saying I took the, the, the payment, what the whole thing was. I said, okay, I need, they, they well, this is how much you got if you can pay a month. No. I, so I went home. I'm like, I know. I just looked at it. I multiplied it, divided. I was like, boom. If I put a whatever, 100, whatever it came out to be, every month out of my thing, it'll be paid off before yep. the, the payoff time. Yep. No, you've got it. We just had to figure out which gimmick they were using so we know how to get around their gimmick. But you figured it out. Let's go to Missouri. Dale, welcome. Yeah. Um, back to the motor coach thing. Um, have you ever got in a new more coach? Newmar, yes. Yeah, Newmar. I always, I used to um, get Newmar and Newell mixed up. Newell Coach is the big high end, like the Prevo. Um, Newmar is uh, kind of like third tier, maybe close to second. But yeah, it's a nice coach. Yeah, my uh, my old boss, he retired. He bought a, a Newmar Coach. He went down to Florida to buy it and. Uh, Anyhow, his wife's handicapped. She had to have one with a lift on the side. It's got slides on it. It's got every option you can imagine. But being for a handicap coach, the floor is actually tile, and uh, everything's remote and all that. And Our, he actually got a hell of a deal on it. It, not, it stickered out for like two eighty nine, and he got it for uh, for like one ninety eight because he paid cash. It, the deals are just and I've been in it stupid on on coaches. Now I I've got. Not only do I have tile in my coach, but it's heated tile. Yeah. That's it. I love, love but, uh, that feature in the coach. Warm tile floors are just awesome. Yeah, he's got the radiant floor heat, too. But, yeah. Um, he bought his, I think. He's been retired now about four years, four or five years ago. But, yeah, it's uh, that that's another coach the guy ought to really look at, the new mark, is you can have a lot of higher-end amenities and a quality freight liner chassis and and all that, and uh, yeah, and prevost, man. You, if you're Garth Brooks, go ahead and get your uh, prevost. But if you're not, you might want to look at something different. You know, it, the the way the guy was talking about an early '90s Prevo, you can get some real deals on those, and they are top quality. But I I had a feeling that because he said he was going to park it somewhere and live in it, he would want slides. And most of the Prevos on the road do not have slides. Right. Slides are fairly new for Prevo. That's why in the 90s, I, I don't know if they had them at all, unless somebody customized one. They certainly build some now Marathon and other. Country Coach, when they were in business, they built one model on a Prevo chassis. That was their top of the line. But it was a Country Coach just built on a Prevo chassis, like Marathon built on a Prevo chassis. Uh, they are top of the line, but most of them are, you see a ton of them in the big touring companies, you know, the, the musicians and that, and they don't have slides. They're set up like bunkhouses. You know, they sleep 18 people with right. three bathrooms and that's it. There's nothing else in there. Right. Uh, another thing is I uh, wanted to talk about, I wasn't going to, but your previous color with uh, the stomach acid thing. Yeah. Um, I, I experienced that same thing recently and uh i've been on uh not as clean as your keto but pretty damn clean keto uh heart i uh, just don't do bread rice or, yeah, yeah all the things you tell people not to eat but yeah. anyways uh 
been doing that for years, and I started getting to where if I don't elevate from about it's, the middle of my back up to my shoulders, I get that during the night. And then I remembered this morning, you talked about look in the bathroom and see if you see an oil slick. Right. Well, I did not see an oil slick, but I did see one dot. And I know what that dot is. That was one spot of oil in the water. And, and that's enough to tell us it's that like, you're not digesting like all little, your fat. Yeah. It, it, so, yeah, and it look, almost looks like a little magnifying glass floating yep. around in the water, if anybody wonders what that would look like. Yep. And you can have more than that. It can almost be across the entire surface of the water if you're not digesting fat very well at all. Uh, that's actually a separate issue. We have low stomach acid and you have poor fat digestion, but those are two different things. Stomach acid is not really a big well, how component. Do I attack this? Uh, this is going to be a nutritional deficiency, zinc or something along those lines. We, we need to do a one-on-one to try to dive down and figure out what it is, though. Otherwise, we're just going to be experimenting a lot. There you go. Um, but this is, since you're eating fairly clean, um, I'm going to say we're probably just deficient in one of the nutrients we need to be able to build good stomach acid. With that, I'm going to wrap this up. We are going to come back in just a couple of minutes. I totally screwed up my schedule today. This is why I shouldn't be in charge of important stuff. Um, I, I got to run and we're going to come back in just a couple minutes on Twitter. So it doesn't look like I get a break this morning. We will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey.